talk uh, some trivia today we've got men's makeup at cbs ryan's favorite and we got uh, a new section uh, feel good story of the week ben's gonna be sharing that one we're gonna talk about some covid19 parties and then as always we'll close out with fix your eyes devotional thought as we close out the podcast but uh, my name is matt and i'll be sharing a little bit about uh who I am and and my family. So again, born and raised uh, in Minneapolis, uh, met all these wonderful guys uh, up at college and uh, met my wife actually at college. And uh, we started a family up in the Minneapolis area. I actually bought a home right in North Minneapolis and, uh, you know, served at a uh, urban church there and uh, really enjoyed that. Um, got a chance to, to work at a, uh, a food manufacturer and uh, did well there. And ultimately that factory was closing and that kind of led our family to move down to Ohio. We're in Northeast Ohio now. So we've been here for nine years. You guys believe that? Wow. I know. I know. We moved the family down. So it's it's crazy. So now I get to work in the safety, health and environmental realm, which has been interesting uh, here in the COVID-19 era. But I certainly love what I do. And it's good to be with these guys. Uh, my wife and I, we had four daughters up in Minnesota and we came down to Ohio, felt it out for a few years, decided we liked it. And we had our Ohio baby. So we now have five daughters. Uh, my oldest one just got her learner's permit on Saturday. Woo. So uh, prayers uh, coming my way would be fantastic. Um, so we're, we're certainly looking looking forward to that. It's time, it's time to buy the umbrella policy. You got to make sure you get that from your insurance company. <laughs> See, I got, I actually got to, I got to ask you about that. Cause you, you guys have walked through that. Don, I don't know if you, you've been there yet as well, but, um, yeah, I got I got to figure all that stuff out. Anyway, that's that's where we're at. Uh, we actually go to a Grace uh, Brethren Church, uh, which I think Jeremy, that was uh, the the church that uh, actually I, I met when we traveled to Ohio, yeah. and uh, it's it's great. Um, uh, so we certainly enjoy that. Though a lot of it's been uh, more uh, online uh, recently, but um, I enjoy chess. I enjoy music. Um, certainly enjoy these guys uh, and sports of all kind. Love Minnesota sports. It's been great being in the Northeast Ohio area. They love sports, but so we've had some stories to share, but it's been fun. The twins beating up on the Indians, especially as of late, it's been fantastic. We just need that to happen again this year and I'll be just fine. So anyway, that's a little bit about me. So let's, uh, let's get into the uh, content for today. I want to talk a little bit about the NFL starting up, man. It's going to be great to have sports coming up. Um, but certainly with all the, the social unrest uh, that we've had, uh, NFL made a, uh, a decision the first week. So week one, the uh, Black National Anthem, uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing, uh, is going to be played before every game uh, week one. So wanted to open up to the group. Uh, thoughts on that? 
as uh, one of our favorite pastimes uh, kicks off here. Now, am I considered racist if I didn't know there was a black national anthem? John, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned. I had to learn a lot about it. About it too. Yeah, it, it was the it was the black national anthem. Like, was it hijacked by this? You know, with this song, or was it the song written as the black national anthem? Anybody know? Yeah, I, I actually did some some digging on this. Uh, it was actually written as a poem back at the turn of the century, and not into the 21st century. This was into the turn into the 20th century, so back late 1800s uh, and early 1900s by um, the Johnson brothers. Actually, one of the brothers wrote the lyrics, and and then one put it to music. But it was written as a poem coming out of you know the Civil War, and uh, it actually was a hymn. It was it was first read at a celebration of Abraham Lincoln back, I believe, in early 1900s. And then as early as 1919, the NAACP dubbed it the uh, the Black National Anthem. Okay. And it's been used in movies and such, too. So a little bit of history there. Wow. So it was used in the presence of Abe Lincoln. Well, I, I think Abe was deceased by then. Um, but, yeah, it, it attributes to him. I'm saying, you know, so, Tribute. Yeah, I'm not saying he was mm-hmm. involved, terrible in the yeah. but <laughs> this this was used as a tribute to him. Seems a little bit of counterproductive of what's what we've been seeing in the reality of all these things. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, game one as it comes out in these things. My question is, you know, is everybody else going to get a national anthem? You know, when does it stop? Does, does you know people from Canada think we're going to play that national anthem too? And how long is the intro to these NFL games going to last? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I'm curious to know also why it's only being sung on week one. Uh, why isn't it week two? Are they only interested in the Black National Anthem on week one? Um, I don't know. It seems kind of like a double standard. Well, I've, I haven't heard many people sing it before, but I have heard acapella sing it before, and I think they do a fine job of that song. I, outside of that group, I have never heard it sung anywhere before. Have, have you guys? No. Yeah, it's it's. Which, I, which I, I like it. I mean, I think they do a good job with it. I I need to try to hear somebody else sing it though to see, to see how it varies. But I I'd be okay if they sang it somewhere on opening day. But I think I think the concept is a little maybe disunifying would be the word I'm looking for. I, I think we're trying to find unity, and uh, if they're going to appease one race, we probably have more races in the NFL than just the black race. Though I think that's been the focus this summer with what we've seen around the country, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how how things play out. Have you guys taken a look at the uh, the lyrics of this song? It's actually pretty pretty incredible if you take a look at it. I, th- I think it was written, from what I can tell, as a yeah, obviously a poem, but it definitely was written, I believe, by a Christian. You take a look at like the third verse, God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray, lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee, lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee, shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. So my, my thought is, for me, I see it. I see this as a as a blessing. I mean, they're taking a hymn that's in a lot of, you know, Christian faith-based hymnals, and they're singing it 
it, it, you know, it's it's interesting. I think I think we tie a lot of things into the you know maybe the more socialist or you know people would say Marxist movement as far as like the Black Lives Matter and some of the real deep dark ideology. I wonder though if if this song could be sung maybe not necessarily promoting all those things, but just as a call to to, to, to unify and remember where we've come from and to continue to you know, reach out and ask God to help us to. To, to, to love our brother and to, to be unified coming out of it. I, you know, for me, I, I think they could have picked a lot of different songs. The fact that they picked what, what is a Christian hymn is, is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's right. Compared to our national anthem, there is certainly more of biblical thought within that hymn, which, which is nice. It, certainly a welcome change across our country. I, I would, I would think, I just wonder Week one, is that going to suffice or how, how long are we going to carry this theme forward and will it serve as more of something that doesn't unify us versus something that does unify us? But I, I'm with you. The lyrics the lyrics are, are pretty good. Well, and where I come from, I mean, just like the rest of us talking right now, you know, we've lived our entire lives as Caucasian. You know, we're all white guys. So... I it's difficult for me to to really try to understand and and you know realize where they're where where a black person or a black man is coming from um you know i've tried to have and i have had several you know conversations with folks from my church or those that i work with that you know are more varied background than what i have and it, it's enlightening to have those conversations just to expand my horizons and my understanding. And I think some of the spotlight that's come about over the course of this summer and for the years leading up to this, I think some of it has been good. I think there's, I think there's some value for all of us to try to understand where each other are coming from, knowing we all have varied backgrounds and varied experiences in life and while I you know, totally agree with you, Matt, I think, you know, the lyrics of this song are great. I, and to take it one step further, I just think some of the spotlight that's been shed on the race challenges that, that we have in our country, I think it's an important spotlight that needs to be out there so that we can really spend some time learning about each other and not just jumping to conclusions all the time. Yeah, I guess what I hope will happen is that all sides can have open and honest conversations, you know, because if any of us demand a certain, you know, if, if, if we, from our perspective, demand people see it our way, or if others from others perspective demand us to see it their way, I think we're missing something, right? I think it's, it's, it's the ability kind of like you said, Ben, is to put yourself in other people's shoes is to understand what went on, you know, in the past and ultimately in the light of what scripture says, what the gospel calls us to do as far as living, you know, together in harmony, you know, you know, what Revelation talks about um, every tribe, tongue and nation standing before the throne, right? What does that look like? You know, we should try to mirror that as much as we can here on earth. Um, and, and, and what does that look like in a, time where there's extreme unrest and extreme anger and frustration you know it's it's uh, i hope it drives meaningful conversations um that all of us can grow and we can grow together not apart it just yeah the question is you know well is everybody willing to listen i mean starting with ourselves right we got to be the first ones to listen but is everybody gonna see it as an opportunity instead of just a a thing to grind down and 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 push down on on people all right any other thoughts to close uh, close that one out well, do we think? Do you think we, uh, the United States, has a systematic 
what is it called, systematic racism problem in our country, or not that I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist in our country or any country for that matter, but I mean, do, is there a huge problem or is this something that's perpetuated by the media or us, you know, any, any type of group of people that's trying to benefit? Like, okay, obviously I'm thinking of politicians. So is that something, is there a systematic, you know, racism problem in the United States? What do you guys think? Doesn't it kind of depend on, on where you are in the country and where you, you know, have been raised in some of the, the roots that you have and even generational views that people, families even and intertwine into that. I grew up in, in Phoenix, and on my street, we had white Caucasian people. I had two African-American friends, uh, two Asian friends, and um, several Hispanic friends as well. We would all get in the middle of the street, play, play football, come over to my house, play basketball, all swim together, have a great time. I don't remember one time ever thinking when I was a kid that any of those guys were different than me. I mean... There were a couple of them who could jump higher than I could, and I was frustrated at that. They were more athletic. There were some that I were I was taller than, and they, they were maybe frustrated that I had height, and they didn't. But I don't ever remember being a kid and going, man, I really wish I wasn't said color or said said race, whatever that whatever that is. I never remember that. And it wasn't until maybe even in college and, and maybe even when I was in Minneapolis or the, that area that I realized – that, you know, there are concentrated places in the U.S. And, you know, you can make that argument for the world uh, where there are more African-Americans or more Asians populated there or whatever the case may be. And I was just not, I, I didn't have that experience growing up. So I honestly felt like I grew up in a pretty normal, no, non-racial environment. And I never considered, and nobody of those other races considered it a problem. We never, I mean, we'd throw each other in the pool. My dad would literally take these two African-American friends of mine, Kevin Williams and Kenny, he would take them and after school they'd walk and we would shoot free throws and whoever lost, my dad would throw in the pool. Physically take, pick up, throw in the pool. We didn't look at that as a problem. We thought it was hilarious. Backpack and all, shoes and everything. <laughs> That's how we grew up. So I personally never grew up with that kind of mindset at all. And I can honestly say that. And I, I don't I don't feel like I need to apologize because I did never have that, you know, in the back of my head. But I'm grateful, I'm very grateful for that experience because I truly value that. And it makes my, my life easier when I when I come in contact with some of these other uh, scenarios. Well, Jeremy, I think you make an interesting point there that a point that I would agree with when we're kids, they, they don't care. They don't see that. And I think there are examples across the country where for some reason that changes when that child becomes an adult. They some of those opinions change. Some of their the way they act changes. Some of the way they view other people, especially those from other races, it changes. And so, you know, Don, to my my answer would be I think both sides of the coin you uh, mentioned are true. I think there is some systematic racism in our country. I think the volume on that gets cranked way up by the media. You know, I think there's some truth to that too, but I think there are aspects of our country and culture that discriminates against a person depending on what they look like. 
So is it think- solutions to turn the volume down? To let the media realize that, hey, if we don't voice this, if we don't make this as big of an issue, that some of that will go away. I mean, just recently, I went without a cell phone for about a week because my cell phone screen cracked. Didn't have access to anything. No, no media, no nothing. Let me tell you, it was probably one of the best weeks I have had because I didn't hear any of it. I just didn't hear any of it. It was great. I think, I think to answer Don's question... I think if you talk about like systemic or institutional racism, it'd be hard pressed. Yeah, kind of show me, show me the law that says that, right? So I think it's more systemic if you're talking about people and and you know the the sin nature within us, and that you know we're we're scared of what's different and we don't want to go outside our comfort zone. I think that's more the battle than it is necessarily the government. I think the media plate makes it out because there's political agendas, obviously with the election coming up and this is a hotbed issue. I, I really think the bigger issue is is just us as people coming together and 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 really and I think the church needs to play a big role. But if you take a look at you know where this country has come from, from when it started into where it is now, you it's not about perfection, it's about a direction. And I think there's a really clear direction from you know what we did, you know, through the Civil War. And then, you know, the civil rights movement, Dr. Martin Luther King and what's continuing to go on today. I think that's the that's the beauty of our nation, that that we continue to, to recognize where we need to make improvements. And we're at least having those conversations. It's not ruled by a dictator that says it shall be like this. But, you know, I, I think some of the things that have been the most abusive toward minorities in this country, you know, you talk about Roe v. Wade, right? The abortion thing, right? What Go, go back and study the history on that. That, that was all about oppressing the minority groups and keeping those numbers down. So you look at the things that this country espouses, and then we wonder why we have the issues and the tensions and the the socioeconomic dynamics of the inner city and the suburbs and the rural area. We've, we've created it by not supporting the home and not supporting parents and not upholding life. It, I think this is an outcome. It's a byproduct of running away from God's plan for, for, for the world and for the family. And we're, we're seeing it right now. Sounds like you're on the uh, Kanye 2020 train. Yeah, Kanye 2020. I love it. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's been speaking some truth, man. I've been I've been listening to, or hearing some of his interviews, man. It's it's he's he's like he's he's uh, involved in he's definitely looking into the word of God and speaking out on some of these things. Now, I don't know if I can't speak to his his heart, if he truly means it or not, I don't want to judge it. But, but man, some of his stuff coming out of his mouth is is pretty impressive. You have to check that out. I've not heard a lot what he said. I've listened to his music, which has been pretty incredible. He's an extremely gifted musician. Um, he's a little bit goofy when he talks, but sounds like he's he's saying some good stuff, Doug. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I think I mean he's 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 weaving in biblical theology and everything. I mean, he, Mark of the Beast, whole 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 nine yards. I mean, he's going all in. Well, he he really touched on the abortion issue, Matt, that you were talking about. He he said that that industry alone, I don't want to quote him precisely here, but he said that industry was designed to get rid of blacks, to devastate the black population. And that goes back to Margaret Sanger, the founder of, of Planned Parenthood. So he's right on with some of these things. I just wonder if his run is true and legitimate, how that will affect the outcome of the election. Who, who will? I, I've heard folks talk about who will be pulled away from either Biden or Trump. And it sounds like blacks and potentially evangelicals with the message he's putting out there right now. 
Yeah, that th- the third candidate, if they can get some steam, like remember back in the day, like Ross Perot, you know, was always like, who's he going to pull away? You know, which votes he's going to pull away from? So yeah, it, it certainly will be interesting. I think I think this will probably be a topic we talk about in future podcasts too, because I I don't think now is the time, but I'd love to share the story. You know, obviously again, I white. Caucasian male grew up in the suburbs. Our church was in the inner city, but we were, for all intents and purposes, a white church, right? And our school was in there. But when when I got we got married and we served at an inner city church, and I got to coach inner city um, young men, the the stories, and I think, like I said, I think it's for a future podcast. But what I saw there, you know, forever changed me and at times still haunts me just what those guys had to face and and seeing and hearing. And they shared stuff with me. Um, there were there were some intense times that we had even in basketball and outside of basketball where I saw a totally different. I, I understood better the challenge that they have growing up and why their view of others and, and specifically white people is is so challenged you know there's there's some merit and again it would do us well to listen to these things and and i think you know connect with with folks on this kind of like what ben was saying it's it's really good for us to listen and to to share our views but to listen good stuff to, to this point about the black national anthem though how does this play out do we think it will go on past week one if it does go on past week one is that a good thing or bad thing for the NFL? Yeah, I think I think they're probably waiting to see what happens. I think if everybody stands for lift every voice and then most people kneel for the, the national anthem, you know, I, I don't know if that's a great feel as well. I think there's ways we can show solidarity. We can show empathy and, and an openness to have discussions without turning on, you know, all the good that this nation has. I, th- I think the NFL is probably doing a wait and see approach. What's the uh, what's the so are they only going to sing one verse of the national black national anthem? It'll probably be like the Star Spangled Banner. There's multiple right. stanzas of that. They just sing the first one. I would love it if they sang all three. Right? <laughs> right? Let's know, get I'm let's like... get to that last verse, baby. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, and I, I want to go back on something I said because I just remembered that there is a verse in the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, that is reflective of Christian thought. A biblical thought, re- re- reflecting on a creator. So that last verse two is really good. So maybe we can just all say, can we listen to verse four and verse three of both of these songs, and then we'll get some theology out there. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Well, how long? How long before we get the Black National Anthem and the Star Spangled Banner banned by atheists here? Because, because if that's sure. I mean, truly, truly, this is. I mean, I think yeah. I mean, reading the words of this of that anthem is it's 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 awesome. It's amazing. It's great. I love it. You know, but how long is it going to take before people realize that these are Christian thoughts coming out and being broadcast? I'm just curious to how long that'll take. Hopefully, people do understand it. They're not so you know nearsighted to miss that because um, I'd love it to ruffle some feathers and hopefully engage us in more thought because that's what I want to turn it to is as we talk about it uh, and as and as we hopefully we get the chance to talk about it with others, we can ask the questions like let's go back and let's look at the history that drove these men to write these lyrics and what it meant to them and where their vision was, where they wanted it to go and, and the emotion and, and get the sense of it. It was about unity. It was about looking to God to help us get past our sin that causes us to hate our brothers or hate those the people that look different than us or talk different than us. That's that's what we need help with. And I think that's what the authors of those songs were calling out to. Hey, we need God to help us with that, which is we would say amen to that. Yeah, it should be fun. Some football and uh, some great music. I'm, I'm pumped up about it. Pumped up about it. All right. Speaking of music, gentlemen, 
we are going into uh, got some trivia here. I'm going to play a clip of a song. <laughs> all right, and and you guys, whoever says you got two things, you got to say the name of the song and the artist. Okay, and you your buzzer is your name. Okay, your buzzer is your name. So I'm going to start this off. I know we got the jukebox Ryan Priggy. I should probably make him like not listen for the first six seconds of the song. <laughs> but guys, rise up and defeat Ryan. Wait, well, hold on a sec. Are you saying that for us to buzz in, we have to say our own name? So I say Ryan. That's correct. Yep, ah. that's correct. That was All pretty right. simple instruction, Ryan. I think yeah. you could have figured that out. <laughs> right, right. All right, here we go, boys. Ryan. Michael W. Smith. Michael W. Smith, place in this world. Oh, did he say my place in this world? I think that's a. Uh. <laughs> I give it to him. So the question is, where were you when you heard this song for the first time? Boy, I was not listening to this song because this was a big no-no. This is contraband. I'm with you. This is bad. You were a straight shooter back in high school, man. I remember sneaking this one at night for sure. Oh, well, I tried to sneak it, but man, alive, I couldn't. uh, Oh, yeah, this this is this is bad news, man. I heard this song at Michael W. Smith concert at Target Center when I was in high school. So you were allowed to listen to this, huh, Ben? I was. I was. Can we? You know what album that was on? No, I did not know. Was it? Was it Go West, Young Man? I could be. Oh boy, I I do not remember the before that. Or was it the one before it? Yeah. I don't know, but I think it might have been right. I I, yeah. I I hammered that go Western man uh, in in college. Well, when I was sitting out my freshman year of college, I went to Pills for one year for half a semester, and I worked. And man, I killed that song while I was working at Maury's Saab, driving around Saabs. I was I had that. Go West, young man. Tape, and I was just killing it all over, all over Wait, Minneapolis. Work at the dealership. You, you found your place in this world at Maury Saab. <laughs> I found my place in this world at Maury Saab. You bet, I man. did not know this about. That. Oh my word! Oh, I, I just killed that song. The <laughs> better question is: Is who who had a better place in this world, Don in the Saab or Toner on the Dean of Men's bike going to work? <laughs> 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 oh man, don't need special right. <laughs> Well played. Yeah. No, right. good stuff. Yeah. Michael W. Smith is great. I was more of a Stephen Curtis Chapman guy, but I, I did love Michael W. Smith. I brought back it's interesting how music evokes memories that you haven't oh, thought man. about in like years. Damn. Like you hear that, I heard that. I was like, man, what song should I pick? I had, I had to go a little bit old school. I was like, man, I was remembering stuff that was, you know. Yeah, you know, listen to the tapes at night, and you know, for you driving around sobs. I think for for me, it was uh, you know maybe getting pumped up for basketball games or something like that. But yeah, the, like I was, the, we were not allowed to listen to that type of music. It still made its way into my ears. So anyway, I, I ruined that that cassette tape in my Walkman, rewinding it yeah. and playing that thing so many times. I I ruined that. I was so upset. <laughs> what, what song, Jeremy? What song did you keep rewinding back to? That very song. That one. Michael W. Smith. Yeah. I got a I got a recording of the recording. So somebody recorded it and dubbed it on a different tape. So my parents couldn't see that I had this I had this white cassette tape. You know, I was listening to Stephen Annie Chapman and all these other things that they were giving me and I'm like, Oh, come on, I need something, I need something. So, you know, some friends hooked me up at school, got it. 
and I, I ruined the tape like three days in. It was terrible. Did you say Stephen Andy Chapman? I love Stephen Andy Chapman. Solid. Do, do any of you guys know Stephen Andy Chapman? Yeah. Yep. I had them come and do a concert at our school. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. My we, mom loved, loved those two. marriage weekend at our church. It was, it was phenomenal. Wow. Another, Good living. Got another funny story, though. I was listening to the. I was listening to while traveling around in a Saab. I can't remember. It was one of those turbos, uh, and I had the Cathedral's Symphony of Praise uh, with the London Philharmonic when they when they felt when they recorded that one. And I was killing that that tape. I got it stuck in one some in somebody's some Saab owner's cassette deck. I couldn't get it out. And to this day, I still don't know. I mean, they, they drove it home, and I think God's word was uh, sung right to them because I couldn't get it That's out. That's it. And, and they, I didn't hear back. I was so scared they were going to call back and say, yeah, we got this tape in our car. We can't get out. What happened? You know, but they never called back or anything like that. But, yeah, some, somebody was driving around with symphony of praise, cathedrals, <laughs> some sob owner. <laughs> Way to bless them, Don. Way to bless them. <laughs> He better be blessed because that was one of my favorite tapes, man. <laughs> they were blessed and Don was cussing. Can't get his cassette out. <laughs> Just made me made me make the made me make the uh, switch over to the CDs though. I think that was about that time. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. So there'll there'll be more music. Again, I, I'm gonna have to challenge you four guys. Uh, well, I guess it's just you three guys. Hopefully, when the Ethan's able to come back after his travels, uh, Ryan's gonna be tough to beat, man. He's he's the jukebox of all jukeboxes. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to think deeply on this one. But yeah, whether it be music or we'll do some uh, just some maybe question trivia or sports trivia, we'll keep you on your toes there. Uh, moving on, a curious headline, uh, Ryan. I think you might have brought this one up. It looks like CVS is uh, making some shelf space for men's makeup. Men's makeup. So what what do we make of the makeup phenomena at CVS? This got me thinking when I saw this headline because I thought, why now? Why is this happening at this moment in time? And I thought maybe it's – and I speculated maybe with one or two of you guys, maybe it's because so many of us are now – working from home and we're doing a lot of these zoom meetings and we're trying to look a little extra crisp, maybe not have the criticism we might face if we tried to don some makeup in the workplace around people. And I, I checked an article a little while ago and lo and behold, that was exactly what the guy was saying. He mentioned being in a zoom world. And Mm. I I think, was it in Bloomberg, Bloomberg Bloomberg.com maybe saying that's, that's exactly right. So I find it interesting and and thinking biblically about it, none of us, I don't think outside of being in a play have done makeup that I know of, but what does the Bible say about it? And you, you look at some of the verses in scripture that talk about makeup and it's talking about ladies primarily adorning themselves. There's not a lot of specificity with it, but certainly guys put it on when they're acting or they go on TV, they, they put makeup on. And so I just wonder what you guys thought about that. If that's something you would ever consider, several of you are working from home now. Is this an option? Would you go shopping at CVS for makeup? I'm tanning before I do that. I'm oh, hit, tan- hit the I'm tanning booth. Yeah. Tanning booth before I do that. I don't know. I don't know. That sounds like a very healthy choice, Jeremy. Let's go to the tanning booth. <laughs> I remember being in a play 
at college and putting that or having somebody put that on me for the first time and I could not stand the feeling at all. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. I had to, I had to watch yeah. it as soon as possible. I just didn't like it. Well, maybe yeah, you just needed I some could. higher quality makeup. It would have yeah, wouldn't have been so heavy or greasy. It would have felt yeah. nice and refreshing. I mean, there's some positive makeup out there that may have served you better. Sounds like it might have been your comment card, Ben, at CVS that asked for more uh, men's makeup space. <laughs> well, is this not just a one more example of? kind of our culture that's going right now. We, we all try to make ourselves, whether it's through social media or other places, look better than we probably do naturally. You know, I think it's just one more, to me, it's one more example of that. It's just another way that we're trying to paint this picture that we're uh, better or smarter or better looking. And and it's just another example of that to me. It reminded me of, of a word in the New Testament that was transliterated. So kind of like baptize was transliterated because nobody wanted to make a call on what it meant. Uh, the word sincere is actually a transliteration. And in what it means, it's sin means in the Greek without, and then seer means wax. And what was interesting about it, and, you know, Paul obviously challenged us to be sincere and be without wax. What does that mean? Well, you know, obviously, ladies, I think back in the day, they put wax on their faces, but they go to these parties that were lit by, you know, with torches. And they had to be careful if they got too close to a torch or to a light that the wax would run off their face and people would see that they're not authentic. That wasn't their face, right? They're, you know, covering up a zit, it blemishes on the skin. And so the challenge was to be, you know, be sincere, be without wax. And so, Ben, I think that's a great call. You know, for us, it's, you know, we obviously we want to be looking our best, but yeah, sometimes do we cover up too much and we're not being authentic and real with, uh, with everybody. Yeah. And I, I think to that point, the scripture references that do talk about adorning themselves, there seemingly is always a priority on not what you look like, but how are you acting? What, what is your mindset? That's, that's the more important thing in the view of God. So uh, it's just interesting, though. But I think Ben's right. We're, we're probably living in a world where we can do so much virtually and it can change us. It can transform us. But is it real? And hopefully our reality is is more a focus on who we are, how we treat others. Where is our passion and these things that the Lord really looks at? Matt, can I get uh, can I get the uh, Greek parsing of transformation from you? Uh, <laughs> well, maybe next week, pal. <laughs> Sorry about that. He just went deep with with sincere. That was amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sincere. Ben inspired me. Holy! <laughs> yeah, if you didn't have that prepped, if you really just I'm... pulled that out like that, that that is impressive. <laughs> It, you know how certain things stick with you when you learn about them. No, you know, they're, they're, don't, know certain, don't know that one. You do too. Would you stop? You guys all sang the song I played. You guys knew that one. Like that's just that's a word meaning that really stuck with me. I think that was back in the day. Like I can't remember the youth group message or whatever, but that always struck stuck. stuck youth out. group message was sincere. <laughs> yeah, we talked about being sincere. What does it mean? You, you got to explain what the word means. You can't just be like be sincere. That's I was breaking amazing. down the Greek parsing with that one too. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I, that makes sense. I guess that makes sense coming from where I know you came from and where I came from too. I understand it. Yeah, 
I believe that's the definition of study and teaching and coaching. You know, you break things down, you help people understand, you use stories, historical references. The youth pastor was all excited about his uh, seminary course he was taking that he was just drooling over. Can't, couldn't wait to talk about sincere. All right. Sweet. Makeup. What a great topic. <laughs> sincere, man. I love it. I, I, <laughs> sincere. I can't wait That's to it. Talk Without wax. That. Look it up. Without That's wax. It. <laughs> That's it. Don't stand by a torch, man. You get you get lit up. We are moving on. Ben got a, uh, a, a feel-good story of the week. Uh, why don't you share that with us? It was tough to narrow this down to just one story. I thought about going with uh, that President Trump wore a mask for the first time this week in public. That was a feel-good story. I saw another one that one of our Minnesota county fairs is still on as scheduled for the middle of August. So you can get your uh, mini donuts and all those kind of things at the Mauer County Fair in the middle of August. But the story that jumped uh, ahead of those two was a story I heard uh, coming out of England. And it was of a five-year-old boy who uh, was abused by his birth parents, but adopted by parents. And he has prosthetic legs. And uh, while that sounds like not a great beginning, and it's certainly one with many challenges, he has over the last month been fundraising for the hospital that helped him. And he's had people from all over the country uh, in England and all over the world that have donated to his cause. And he started out with the goal of raising 500 pounds, and he's surpassed a million pounds already in fundraising that's going to the college or to the hospital that will all be dedicated to disadvantaged children that come in as patients to that hospital. So a really cool thing, just not only in that young person, that young boy's life specifically, but the great impact that's going to have for children all across England as they are able to go to that hospital and get care by funds that he's been able to raise this year. Um, How old was that guy? He's five years old. Five years old. Raised uh, roughly $100,000 per kilometer that he's walked by money coming in from all over the world. Impressive. Yeah, with, with everything going on, it's, it's good to have some good news, and uh, we certainly want to help promote that. And, uh, ben, appreciate you calling that out. Looking forward to what you got for us in the future. Uh, one more topic uh, before we get into uh, – before to get into or fix our eyes, but uh, we've got maybe another feel-good story: COVID nineteen parties. You guys have heard of chicken pox parties back in the day, but down in our uh, God bless the South, uh, I believe this might have been what Alabama or Arkansas. There was a story that said they are getting together parties, so people come and they bring somebody who is known positive for COVID nineteen in the hopes that by being in that party and talking with them, that they will, other people will contract the virus. Uh, your guys' thoughts. Well, they were taking bets too, I think. Uh, they were taking bets. Who, were, who was going to get COVID-19 first? Every attendee to the party would put money into the pot, and the first party goer that tested positive won the pot. And it was at University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That's where this happened. So what were the Roll other ramifications of that? Did they even get hospitalized? I mean, was there any follow-up story of story to that or was it just you know that headline oh you had to get tested i'm sure i I feel i don't know if it's for that specific party but i i feel like i've seen another story where they had a party somebody went there 
thought it was a joke, and I think they ended up dying. The the person did. I, I don't think it was the Alabama party though. So somebody do you yeah, think, think died from a COVID party? I believe that is correct. Wow. Man, it's so interesting. You know, you look at the, obviously the statistics, and I know there's been a spike recently of more younger people, but it certainly was hitting more of the older population. But you think about it because it's so contagious. Okay, granted, I may get it and I may have some mild symptoms, but I'll probably make it through. But who knows who I'm passing it to, right? If I'm going to see my, you know, you know, older folks at, at church, or maybe, you know, I'm out in the grocery store and an elderly couple walks by because I decided to try to win a pot of money, the risk I'm going to bring to everybody else is that. Yeah, that's just crazy. So I, I, have a, just... I have a question. Who of you were in the same boat? But when I was a kid, my mom took me to a friend's house who had chicken pox. And yeah. all three of the four of us kids played with that kid. And we knew he had chicken pox. I remember asking my mom, why are we here? She's like, oh, <laughs> really? Well, you know, distrust my mom. But I knew that I was probably going to get chicken pox. And sure enough, three days later... I'm sitting in a bathtub with Epsom salts. <laughs> Not fun. Thanks, Bob. Maybe your dad could throw you in the pool and you could get cooled off that way. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a pool at that time. I wish we did. Chlorine might have helped. That would have been painful. <laughs> did you Did you get chicken pox? Yeah. All four, all, four, all four of us got chicken pox. So I've never been vaccinated for it. I've, I've, had, the, I've had the disease. Yeah. We, I think one of us – Maybe one or two of us were talking about this last week, I think. But I I had the same thing. We had somebody come over to our place when I was probably five, six, seven years old. She had chicken pox, infected my sister and me because you want to get it out of the way, right? So you don't get shingles when you become an adult. That was the thinking. I feel like more recently I've heard that if you've had chicken pox now, you're more likely to get shingles. I, I don't know what to tell really? you there, except that they do have a shingles shot. So if you if you fear shingles, and I do have a relative, a sibling of mine who has had shingles, maybe it's something I should consider since I know the virus is in my body. Yeah, did that come from the CDC or WHO? I mean, what kind you of don't know. Yeah, you don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that that's news to me. Wait a sec. You're saying that because I've always thought I've had chicken pox, so I'm cool. I'm done. So you're saying I'm more likely to get shingles now? I am saying that in my life, I have seen the logic go from get chicken pox, have these parties when you're young, because it'll get it out of your system somehow. In your system. You develop the antibodies. You develop the antibodies, and then you can avoid shingles. I feel like it's even been on a commercial. If you've had chicken pox, you're more prone to shingles now because it's in your system. So I would not say you're in the clear at this point in time if you've had chicken pox. Well, Ryan, I can offer some insight from a medical institution. On mayoclinic.org, it says shingles is caused by a really fancy named virus, the same virus that causes chicken pox. After you've had chicken pox, the virus lies inactive in nerve tissue near your spinal cord and brain. Years later, the virus may reactivate as shingles. Okay. So there you've heard it from not the WHO or CDC, the Mayo Clinic. I hope they are more reputable than, than some of the other places we've heard lately. So there you go. Straight from the text. So I, I guess if you've had chicken pox before you're 50, you better get a shot for shingles. I just saw a poster 
you know, on the street or whatever, you know, outside uh, Cub Foods advertising uh, shingles, shots for shingles. Now I'm seriously considering getting it because <laughs> now that I'm like old and everything affects me, I'm probably yeah, you're not getting shingles. any younger, Don. No, you're not getting no, any younger. No. You are not driving subs anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> you are I'm, gonna, I'm going to get a shingle shot. Shingle shot. maybe i'll go with you maybe we can have a date maybe we'll have a date to get a shingle shot the rest of us are going to laugh when you guys are bedridden with this (laughs) thanks podcast down to four (laughs) can we have a shingles vaccine party is that allowed (laughs) i'm getting I sense the next uh, a podcast topic of vaccines is in the future. Sign that should be up. fun as well. Yeah. Sign me oh up. my goodness, <laughs> cheapers! Can we talk about masks then or not? <laughs> I think we're gonna we we're gonna save masks. Let, why don't you tease it out a little bit, Ryan? What's uh, what's on your mind as why far as face so coverings go? With the masks, what's going on with right. the masks? No, nothing's going on with me in the masks. I just. I'm not on that many different social media apps. I think I'm only on Facebook, but I feel like there are constantly arguments raging about masks. And I don't I don't understand why people are so fired up about it. I, the, the projections, the science I've looked at really seem to show that if you wear masks, you're going to reduce the transmission of the virus. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to it's not going to be a hill I die on. But if, if that's true, which according to medical expertise and the, the folks in Southeast Asia that go through these things all the time, and they didn't get hit that hard in Southeast Asia, it just seems like it would follow that we should try to do that. I mean, I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get us back to normal life. Are you I, driving I, Are you driving around in your car with a mask on? I am not. I'm not. I, I only wear I only wear masks indoors if if I well now it's mandated where I live. Every indoor place in this town you have to have a mask on. But except for except for your home, right? Except for my home. If if I go to a business, uh, you know, public place, got to have a mask on now. So I'm I'm guessing that's going to drive down community transmission according to my theory. But I I understand people's concern about liberty and individual rights. But I, I just don't think it should be a political issue. And I, I'm sorry I went into this much detail, but you did ask me to tease it out. So I, I teased it out. Yeah, that was an extended trailer, but we certainly appreciate that. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, face coverings, it, it is a hot topic. But I, I, th- I think you teed it up well. But uh, if we have some counterpoints, that'd be fantastic. We are going to, you know, our week one, we, we called this last uh, section, uh, believe it's what, look to the skies or look to the sky. We had talked about it as a group, and I think we want to just hone that title a little bit different. It's called Fix Your Eyes. Fix Your Eyes. Really a devotional thought, uh, really driving home a truth from a gospel perspective, from a biblical worldview. And uh, a verse in Hebrews 3, uh, verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. And I think with so many of the challenges and uncertainties, and I think we covered several of them uh, today, uh, it's important that we fix our eyes on the, you know, the author and finisher of our faith, and especially as as men, as husbands, as fathers. I think this is critical. Uh, there's so many 
on the surface harmless things that can take our time and there's so many harmful things that can take our time if we're not careful with what we allow into our mind into our eyes into our heart uh it it, it could be a problem and i think it's been a little bit of a, a struggle i think for me during this time with so much going on and you know, having some responsibility from a safety and health side at work to keep my eyes fixed on what Christ is doing rather than getting caught up in the moment or getting, getting frustrated. And so a couple questions that I've, you know, that I've had to ask myself here recently is what are the times or the huddles using a sports term? What are the huddles in my life that are bringing me back to truth and helping me call the next right play? You know, who are the teammates um, that I'm surrounding myself with that's going to encourage me to persevere? And again, how much time am I spending in God's word and prayer, you know, wrestling and asking for faith and focus and perseverance and purity. And so just challenge all of us and, you know, anyone who's listening, uh, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess, because that's the, that, that's the one who's, he's worthy of our thoughts. Uh, his word is worthy of our consideration and will help us as we walk through, uh, you know, this, this crazy COVID time through this social unrest. Yeah. But even in, in our small families uh, and churches and, and work, um, fixing our eyes on Jesus uh, gives us the best opportunity. Appreciate it, everybody, folks. That was six in the mix, and we will see you next week.